1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, it's week two of our four-week look at the Eagles' schedule and the opponents they'll be facing this year as we take a look at their off-seasons. And this week, uh, we will take a look at the Eagles' second four opponents, the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to call them the Oakland Raiders numerous times during the podcast. That's just something everybody's going to have to wrap their minds around, just FYI. And the Detroit Lions will be the four teams we take a look at here this week on Eye on the Enemy, so we can give you a a preview of the teams that the Eagles will be facing this year. And of course, once we get into the regular season, I'll be talking to people who cover these teams on a weekly basis so we can take a deep dive into all 17 opponents that the Eagles will be facing this year. And on the last podcast, we'll, we'll give you the last five teams, because the NFL, has decided to ridiculously add one game to the schedule, and Take away all of the uniformity out of it. So, we're, we'll do five teams in the last week of the season uh, for this Eagles 17 game schedule. But here we will do teams uh, that the Eagles will be playing games five through eight here over the next little bit. So, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. And just want to remind you folks to check out bleedinggreennation.com every day for all the latest stuff we have going on there. We'll give you the latest news and rumors and notes uh, during. I know this is the slow time of the offseason, but there's always something cooking. In fact, on, on Friday, the Eagles made another huge signing, bringing back Richard Rodgers. I know this is a move that everybody just has been waiting for with bated breath. The fourth straight year Richard Rodgers has re-signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, um, you know, I guess this does put another nail in the coffin for Zach Ertz, I guess, because everybody knows that he, the Eagles are looking to trade him. It's not clear exactly what they're looking for for Zach Ertz. I'd love it if they could get something real and tangible, but right now the cap savings are really worth as much as as anything else at this point. And no, I'm not sold on Dallas Goddard. As a, a high volume, a, a high a high volume tight end target, he's never been that guy. We haven't seen that before. I agree with Brandon Lee and I don't think I would be giving this guy an extension right now. I want to see him do it first, but I think they're bringing in Richard Rogers here to be a, a backup tight end. I don't think they're going to obviously use Ertz as uh, the 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 number two. I don't think they're going with much twelve personnel. They've they've clearly decided. You know, Nick Sirianni a wide receivers guy. They're going to play a lot of three wide receivers this year, and so um, yes, I do do think that this is just kind of another nail in the Ertz coffin here. But bringing back Richard Rogers, boy, what a needle mover, huh? Uh, it's just truly an exciting time to be an NFL football fan and uh, to be a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's jump into uh, d- taking a closer look, keeping an eye on the enemy here, as we say, as we take a look at the Carolina Panthers. And the Eagles in week five will be traveling to Carolina to take on Matt Rule's Panthers. They went 5-11 last year, finishing in third place in the NFC South. Some key additions and re-signings for the Panthers this offseason. Of course, the trade for quarterback Sam Darnold. I'm going to get into that more in depth here in just a second. Wide receiver David Moore, tight end Dan Arnold, offensive offensive tackle Taylor Moten, Guard Pat Fline offensive tackle Cameron Irving, defensive lineman Morgan Fox, edge rusher Hassan Reddick, linebacker Denzel Perryman, and cornerback A.J. boyer Key draft additions, of course, their first-round pick uh, taken right before where the Eagles would have picked if they'd have stayed at number 10. At number 9, they grabbed cornerback J.C. Horn. They also selected wide receiver Terrence Marshall Jr., running back Chuba Howard, and defensive, liven, defensive lineman Davion Nixon. Key departures... Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, they won't miss him. Running back Mike Davis, wide receiver Curtis Samuel, they will miss him. And edge rusher Steven Weatherly. So a bitty, a busy offseason for Scott Gitterer. Um, the big move, of course, was trading for Jets quarterback Sam Darnold, the only quarterback in the NFL with a worse passer rating than Carson Wentz last year. You know, I just don't understand this one, guys. I I know that Dar- they did a good job recouping the draft picks they gave up by trading back in the draft. So they, they, they gave up a 2021 sixth round pick, a second round pick in 2022, as well as a fourth round pick in 2022. I'm sorry, that's a lot of trade capital for Sam Darnold, who is just not a good quarterback. And you can tell me, and I know that this is what Carolina fans would tell you, that he never got the protection that he needed in New York. And that's true. He was sacked 98 times in 38 games. It's hard to be productive when you're on the ground that much, but Darnold has always been a statue in the pocket. He's never been a guy who's able to move outside the pocket. It's one of the things that uh, the Panthers have been trying to have him do a little bit more here during the, during the summer is try and get him not to scramble, not to be a running quarterback, but just to move his feet a little bit because he he's not a moving target. He is a guy who will just stand there and he'll take a beating. And so You can't be productive when you're on the ground as much as Sam Darnold has been throughout his career. Quarterback coach Sean Ryan is trying to preach to him to be just a little bit more elusive, a little bit more mobile back there. You look at his overall numbers, his completion percentage of 59.8% since 2018 ranks next to last among all qualified quarterbacks. He threw 39 interceptions to only 45 touchdowns during his time with the Jets, giving him an interception rate of 1.03 per game, which is last among qualified quarterbacks. He went 13-25 and as a starter for the Jets. I just don't believe he's going to be the answer for them. And so if you're Matt Rule and you're the Carolina Panthers, you're, I don't see how you can possibly be looking at a winning season when you've got one of the guys who I think might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. And and yes, I understand he's been sacked a lot, but good quarterbacks do find a way to overcome some of those things, to show some flashes. But Sam Darnold just hasn't ever been able to do any of that. I mean, maybe he's had a game or two here or there where he's – He's looked like he can put something together, but he's just never done it consistently. And I don't, I don't understand. I mean, listen, give up a 2021 sixth sixth round pick for Sam Darnold. Okay. And maybe, maybe you throw in a 2022 fifth rounder, but you give up a second rounder next year for Sam Darnold. Really? And I know that again, they traded back a bunch in the draft this year and kind of recouped those picks for the most parts, but that affects the draft haul you got this year. If you're moving back, you're not getting players who are as good. So I just don't I just don't agree bringing in a—I a, mean, Teddy Bridgewater was not the answer. But trading for Sam Darnold and bringing him in here, I mean, is it a one-year plan? It's probably just a one-year plan. And they want to give a young kid a chance as opposed to an, an, an older veteran like, like Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, okay, but you're not going to win many games this year. <laughs> and maybe that's just—maybe that's not the point. You know when when you when you allow Curtis Samuel to walk, you're not exactly surrounding Darnold with uh, with, with a whole lot of options there. Uh, I mean, they're going to get Christian McCaffrey back, and he's obviously the biggest weapon in this offense. He was limited to just three games last year due to an injury. So, getting one of the one of the best all-purpose running backs in football back into the offense that should help Sam Darnold. He's never played with anybody like Christian McCaffrey before, so. If McCaffrey is healthy, that will be a boon to the Carolina offense. And you know, Curtis Samuel was one of their better wide receivers. He left the team via free agency to Washington, but he does have some wide receiver. He does have a couple wide receivers that went over 1000 receiving yards last year. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both had more than 1000 receiving yards last year. So, if the offensive line in Carolina can do a better job protecting him than the one in New York, maybe I mean, he, he he played with Robbie Anderson for a couple of seasons when when Anderson was with the Jets he, they obviously didn't play together last year because it was Anderson's first season with Carolina but now you you know there may, maybe there's a little bit of a connection between Darnold and, and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore emerged as a as a as a really good wide receiver last year so there are some weapons at his disposal you've got Robbie Anderson you've got DJ Moore uh, you've got Christian McCaffrey, but you also have an offensive line that is still an issue. They're hoping that Irving can stabilize that unit a little bit. Uh, going out uh, going out in the, in the soft season and, and grabbing Cameron Irving is a guy that you, you're hoping can can help out a little. But it's still going to be an issue, and Sam Darnold is going to have to move around a little bit in the pocket if he's, going to, if he's going to be able to put some points up on the board for Carolina. When you look at the defensive side of things, Horn should provide Carolina with a lockdown corner on one side of the field. But, you know, I thought, I thought for sure Sertan was going to go before him in the draft. I, I thought for sure that the consensus was Patrick Sertan was, was better than J.C. Horn. And if I were the Eagles and I had those two guys to pick from, I would have taken Sertan before Horn. So it's an interesting decision for Carolina to go with Horn in, the, in that particular case um, in front of Sertan earlier i think i messed up and i said that the panthers picked one spot before the eagles they were actually two spots in front of the eagles so uh, that's my mistake um they picked number eight not number nine and that's where they took jc horn uh at at number eight obviously and then um you know patrick Sertan went to uh, went to the denver broncos at number nine overall which is uh the eagles had, had moved back by that point and took uh, devonta smith at uh, at number 10 but it, of course the uh the Eagles were sitting at uh, number number 12 and traded up a couple spots at number 10 to good get Devonta Smith. Anyway, uh, we all know that story. It's, 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 I was surprised that Horn went before Sertan, and so that's a little bit of a uh, of a risk, I think, there by Carolina. But they certainly feel like they've gotten a lockdown corner on one side of the field, which should certainly help them. He, and he joins Jeremy Chin, who was one of the best defensive rookies in the NFL last season. Could have been an eagle would have been really great to see him at safety uh, so I think the Eagles uh, certainly missed one there and so you've got two young guys there that could really give Carolina a very good secondary pass rush is the big question mark for the defense they will need guys like Brian Burns and Yeter Gross Matos to try and uh, get some uh, get some pressure on the quarterback but that's going to be a little bit of a tall order for those guys as they as they try to recover from a 5 and 11 record Matt rules a good head coach I, I think um, most people think that he's got that team pointed in the right direction but I think you could be looking at another rough season uh, for the Carolina Panthers here in 2021. And that's a game that I would... I don't know if I'd pick the Eagles to win since it's an away game, but uh, it's certainly a game the Eagles can win against a team that is dealing with uh, a lot of the same issues uh, that they are. Before we hit the break, let's talk about the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, they went 11-5 last year, finished in second place in the NFC South, but again, went on that postseason run and uh, really dominated the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They are bringing the band back, everybody. Key additions, re-signings, they're mostly re-signings. Wide receiver Chris Godwin. Tight end Rob Gronkowski, defensive tackle Dominican Su, edge rusher Shaquille Barrett, linebacker Levante David, kicker Ryan Suckup, uh, running back Leonard Fournette, and wide receiver Antonio Brown. Key draft additions, edge rusher Joe uh, Tryon, quarterback Kyle Traskin, uh, key departures, offensive tackle Joe Haig, and cornerback Ryan Smith. So Bruce Arian's team is running it back this year, which makes sense after a surprise Super Bowl win over the Chiefs last season. All 22 starters are returning this season, barring injury. It all starts, of course, with the GOAT. It all starts with Tom Brady. And I will freely admit to you, I was wrong about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last year. He was not washed, which I thought he was in his last season with New England. I thought time had caught up with Tom Brady. I thought he was washed, but he clearly was not. Tom was very dry, as it turns out. Um, he, He played unbelievably well last season. And listen, he's got great players around him. He's got a top five wide receiver duo in football in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Of course, Godwin gets the franchise tag this summer. Rob Gronkowski is back for another season and and they have a great second tight end and maybe Brate. Maybe I think Cameron Brate is probably the number one tight end at this point emerging as a true pass catching threat last season with Gronkowski right there with him. Maybe one a one B they, but he's got no shortage of, of targets to throw to and, in the backfield, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Fournette turned into a really good uh, running back in the postseason last year. It was a great pickup for them. Ronald Jones was solid throughout the season. I don't know how much you can depend on those two guys to give you over the course of a full season. Can you get... Can you get, you know, 14, 1500 yards from those two guys? They did bring in Gio Bernard, uh, to provide some depth at the running back position as well. But Tom Brady, it has a good offensive line. He knows what to do with the football. Bruce Arians is a great offensive mind as a, as a head coach, and he's got a ton of talent around him. That should once again, be a very good Tampa Bay offense. And, Let's talk about the defense, which may even be the better part of this team. Todd Bowles' defense is obviously loaded for Bear, and the true strength of this team is Shaq Barrett and Devin White, both monsters. Jason Pierre-Paul had nine and a half sacks last season, but uh, Barrett and White um, back and should continue to make life miserable for people. Uh, And Dominican Sue is back. Linebacker Levante David got a contract extension. So these are all guys, and these are household names. These are guys you know. These are guys who are going to be good once again this year. Fully in Winnemma. Let me just give you some of the Tom Brady numbers. I I looked some of these numbers up. He's going to be 44 years old this season, guys. 44 years old this season. Last year in his age 43 season, 4,633 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 102.2 rating. What can you say? I mean... I, 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 I downgraded the Buccaneers all season. I did pick them to beat the Chiefs before in the week before the game. That's the only time all year I got anything right with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I I will I will I will hold that over my head because it's it's actually what propelled me past the bleeding green nation uh readers to finish number 1 overall again in season long picks regular season and post season combined. So uh 2 years running uh, I got that award. Anyway, um <laughs> I I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a have a great chance to to repeat frankly. Um you could see it you you don't very often see repeat Super Bowls uh but it's certainly a possibility with with Tampa Bay and with Tom Brady. You know, it's Tom Brady just did what he does in the playoffs. He makes it look so easy. That's the thing that kills you, except when you're playing Nick Foles. Then it didn't look quite. But even even in that Super Bowl, he made it look easy. That wasn't Tom Brady's fault. They lost Super Bowl Fifty Two, with the exception of the fumble against Brandon Graham, which again we all love and you know we all we all love to see. And of course, um, you know what the Eagles should do is if Nick Foles is amenable to it, they should have Nick Foles participate in a pregame ceremony of some kind because Tom Brady will be coming back to Philadelphia. Won't be the first time, obviously. He's been back a couple of times uh, since then, but uh, Tom Brady coming into Philadelphia. Really need to get Nick Foles in here just to maybe you know, flip the flip, let's do a ceremonial coin flip before. I know they don't really do that in in games anymore, but bring Nick Foles back to do a ceremonial coin flip. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the Las Vegas Raiders and we'll talk about the Detroit Lions. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy as we take a look at the uh, at the, the the Eagles' uh, four opponents that they'll face in in weeks five through eight. Uh, in the previous segment, of course, as you just heard, we talked about the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about the Las Vegas Raiders next. The Eagles are going out to Vegas this year, and I assume a lot of you listening are going to be making the trip out to Vegas for this one. Uh, Las Vegas went 8-8 eight and eight last season, second in the AFC West, and people forget that the Raiders were actually having a pretty good season last year. They were seven and three through ten games, but then a one and five record down the stretch torpedoed John Gruden's first season in Las Vegas. Some key additions and re-signings for the Raiders this offseason. They got wide receiver John Brown, running back Kenyon Drake, edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe, defensive tackle Quinton Jefferson, guard Richie Incognito, center Nick Martin, defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, defensive lineman Jonathan Hankins, and wide receiver Willie Sneed. Key draft additions, offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood and safety Trayvon Morig. Uh, Key departures for the Raiders, offensive tackle Trent Brown. Center Rodney Hudson, offensive lineman Gabe Jackson, three pretty good linemen are gone. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar will not be back. Wide receiver Tyrell Williams will not be back. Defensive back LaMarcus Joyner, edge rusher Takeris McKinley, and safety Eric Harris will all not be back with the Raiders here in 2021. And one of the keys to the Raiders' hot start was the play of that offensive line. And yet, and yet, they seem to take a step back in that area. This offseason, after after moving on from Brown and Hudson and Jackson and replacing them with Martin and their first round draft pick Leatherwood, the Leatherwood pick got universally panned by draft experts. Here's a guy who they didn't think Mike wouldn't go until, the, you know, far into the second round. I mean, there was some that didn't even think he was a third round pick. So clearly a reach. And listen, if there's a guy you like in the first round, that's fine. Maybe your board's a little bit different, but trade down man get out of the first round and pick up a couple extra picks for yourself don't just sit there with your you know with your head in the sand and 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 pick a guy that you could have gotten a round or two later that's just dumb that's just stupid and that's one of the reasons why the Raiders the Raiders offseason has been panned so much and it seems like they've gotten worse on the offensive line that's not a place where you want to go backwards Ngakwe and Thomas are both outstanding defensive linemen, so that will be a strength for Las Vegas this year. Uh, But ESPN's Bill Barnwell, he does a a recap or he does an analysis of every team's offseason every year, and he said that the Raiders had the worst offseason of any team in the NFL this season. And I've been looking at a ton of these different things as I prepare for these shows. And virtually every outlet that is not a Raiders fan outlet would agree with the assessment that the Raiders have had a pretty awful offseason. It's not just, you know, it's it's not just the Leatherwood pick. They they reached later in the in the draft too. A lot of draft experts felt that they reached in in rounds three and rounds four and rounds five. They paid a lot of money for Kenyon Drake at the running back position, even though they already have Josh Jacobs and Jalen Richard there. So you're you're just not being smart with your capital. And when you look at a football team, so you've got all these other things going on. You also just have to look at your core. And Derek Carr, a little bit of an enigma at quarterback, but when you look at the numbers, had a very good season last year. But again, like the rest of the team, stumbled down the stretch a little. 4,103 yards, a 67.3% completion rate, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, a 101.4 quarterback rating for David Carr. So again, a Derek Carr, I mean, not David Carr, Derek Carr. So a good season for Derek Carr. And if he can get a little bit of more production out of his out of his wide receiver Henry Ruggs this year, I'm sure that would go a long way to even to improving those numbers even more. Ruggs did not have a good rookie season last year. Played just 12 games, had only 452 receiving yards. He's looking to bounce back here in his second season. I mean, not the kind of rookie season like uh like J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside had or that Jalen Rager had last year, but still not a good not a good rookie season for Henry Ruggs II. Now, one guy you don't hear a lot about when you're talking about the Oakland Raiders and their offense is tight end Darren Waller. Darren Waller went to the Pro Bowl last year as the team's only 1,000-yard receiver. He had 1,196 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns last year. So there's a guy that Eagles linebackers and and their safeties are going to have to keep an eye on. That could be a big matchup problem when this game, when this game happens in, in week seven, I don't know who's going to be starting at linebacker for the birds at that point. Who knows who'll be the, who who the safeties will be at that point, but Darren Waller is going to be a matchup problem for Philadelphia. Um, Nelson Aguilar gone. He had 896 yards receiving and eight touchdowns last year for the Raiders. We we always knew Aguilar had he had that great season in 2017. So it sounds like last year with the Raiders he had a 2017 like season for them. Good for him. Good for him. I mean, he's not there anymore, but good for Nelson Aguilar to uh to bounce back and have a decent season out in Las Vegas. He's been replaced with speedster John Brown. Uh, And we'll see if John Brown can duplicate that kind of uh, production. And if John Brown can, can produce and Henry Ruggs can emerge, then you could have a pretty decent uh, Las Vegas offense. But again, the offensive line takes a step back and, you know, I don't know what you think about John Gruden. I, you know, John Gruden, he had the team rolling last year, but collapsed down the stretch. I, I, you know, it feels like, it feels like Gruden is a guy who, who, where the game has passed him by, but Got to give him more than one season. So we'll see what he does when he comes back into Lincoln Financial Field. Has he been back to Philadelphia since, since that NFC Championship game in 2003 when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Eagles? I, Without looking it up, I got to say, I don't think John Gruden has been back in Philadelphia as a coach. Now He's been back in Philadelphia, obviously, as a play-by-play guy on Monday Night Football. But I think this is going to be the first time John Gruden is back on the sidelines as a head coach. Since that awful, fateful NFC Championship game where the Eagles lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as as the Bucks went on to win the Super Bowl, and John Gruden completely outclassed Andy Reid in that game. So, just a, a little. St- oh no, but this is not playing in Lincoln Financial Field. That's right. This is going to be out in Las Vegas. So never mind. Forget that. <laughs> forget that whole line of thinking. I'm late as we were recording this. All right, let's take a look at the Detroit Lions here, uh, the last team we're going to take a look at on this episode of Eye on the Enemy. The Lions once again finished in last place in the NFC North last year, the third season in a row. They finished in last place. They went 5-11. and 11. Key additions, re-signings for the Lions. The big move of the offseason was trading for quarterback Jared Goff. Moving on from Matthew Stafford, we're going to talk more about that here in just a second. They also uh, picked up running back Jamal Williams, wide receiver Tyrell Williams, wide receiver Brashad Perryman, edge rusher Romeo Oquara, Og- defensive tackle Michael Brockers, and cornerback Quinton Dunbar. Key draft additions, offensive tackle Panay Sewell, man oh man, what a great draft pick that was. Defensive lineman uh, Levi Onruzuwiki, I'm sorry man, I just don't know that name. Defensive tackle Aleem McNeil. And then you look at the key departures uh, from the Lions quarterback, of course, Matthew Stafford, wide receiver Kenny Galladay, wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr., wide receiver Jamal Agnew, tight end Jesse James, defensive tackle Danny Shelton, linebacker Gerard Davis, cornerback Desmond Trufant, and cornerback Justin Coleman. Of course, one of the big changes is that Matt Patricia is gone replaced by new head coach Dan Campbell, now the man with the Lions' visor on. Um, He is going to be the guy who's going to try and get something out of Jared Goff, and that was the big move of the offseason for the Lions, the trade of Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. In a way, this makes sense for Detroit, although you take on the hefty contract of Jared Goff, and while Goff is younger than Stafford, and Goff, unlike Stafford, has taken a team to the Super Bowl in the last few seasons. We've seen Goff play well, but he hasn't played well for two seasons. He had 3,952 passing yards last year, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, just a 90.0 passer rating. The Rams wanted an upgrade from Goff. They wanted him gone. And so I got to look at this as a downgrade from Matthew Stafford for the Detroit lions. I do not think that this is an upgrade for them. I've never been a big golf guy. He, he was really good in 2018. No doubt about it. He was really good in 2018, but 2019 and 2020, we have seen uh, the number one overall pick from a few seasons ago, really start to uh, backslide quite a bit. And the team also lost Galladay to the New York giants this offseason, replaced him with Tyra Williams and Prashad Perryman. That's not, that's not a great, that's not a great switch for Jared Goff. They're hoping running back DeAndre Swift can build on a nice season, catching the ball out of the backfield last year. He had 46 catches for 357 yards. They're hoping that he can be um, a little bit more of, a, of an offensive weapon that can help out Jared Goff. But what this offense does have going for it right now is a really good offensive line. And it's led by their first-round pick, Sewell, who virtually everyone is predicting will be a star left tackle for years. Um, you know, the, the they could have gone after, you know, a, 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 a position – player, you know, I mean, a, a skilled position player, but uh, Panay Sewell is a guy who I've, I saw some people say like, here's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, that, that glowing for Panay Sewell. And so he's going to be a guy who just locks down left tackle for the next few years. And he, then he'll join on an offensive line. That's pretty good. You've got Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, former Philadelphia Eagle, Halapulavati Vitae. He's not great, but you know, he's, he's, he's serviceable in there. And Jonah Jackson, that's a good offensive line. But when the the O-line is the best thing about the offense, it's hard to get excited about that offense. But, you know, you don't have to do a ton if you've got a good offensive line. And maybe Jared Goff behind a a rock-solid offensive line can – Bring a little bit of that 2018 magic back. I got to see it before I believe it. Um, at the running back position outside of uh, DeAndre uh, DeAndre Swift, they don't have a whole lot actually running the football. Jamal Williams comes aboard to help out a running game in which the ancient Adrian Peterson last year was the team leader in rushing with only 604 yards. But you know Jamal Williams is not going to be a 1,000 yard guy, I don't think. Uh, you look over at the defense, a ton of question marks there. Uh, the team is hoping a number of their second- and third-day draft picks are going to be able to help. Um, they really dumped a lot of resources into the defensive line, um, looking at defensive tackles like Brockers and uh, going out and getting and, and drafting rookies Levi uh, uh, Levi uh, Anwuzeriki and Aleem McNeil, uh, really hoping that those two guys can come in right away and stabilize the middle of the defensive line. Now stop if you've heard this before, if this sounds like, uh, sounds like your football team, but the Lions linebacking core and secondary are huge question marks heading into this season. Last year, Detroit ranked last in the NFL with opposing passers having a 112.4 passer rating against the Detroit Lions secondary. So maybe worse than the Eagles secondary, which is really saying something. The Lions don't have a lot going on back there. So this is not a good football team. This is not a team that's really improved much this offseason, as far as I can tell. They've finished last three straight seasons, and it looks like they could be in for another last-place season. I don't think there's really anything about this team that's improved over last year, and in many areas they could be worse. So with this part of the schedule, with the Lions here, with the Raiders here, of course you got the Buccaneers, and with the Panthers, this is a spot where you could see the Eagles have a nice little stretch. See them go two and two, maybe even three and one, if they can go out to Las Vegas and, and pull off an upset against the Raiders. That would be a tough task, but I don't think they're beating the Buccaneers um, in, in at Lincoln Financial Field. I'd be very surprised if they're able to pull that off. But you know, they're they're getting a couple of last place teams. They're getting a couple, of three, lo- you know, two teams with a losing record and a team that went eight and eight but struggled down the stretch. Went one and five over the last six games. So if you're looking for a time to really kind of uh, enjoy some Eagles football, it could be these four games where uh, the Eagles are able to to make some noise against some teams that aren't. Very much a similar situation, especially the the Panthers and the Lions. Very similar situation to where the Eagles are in right now. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks, everybody, for for checking this episode out. And, of course, we will go through uh, the next four teams on the Eagles' schedule next week. We will take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the New Orleans Saints, and the New York Giants. We'll dip into all those teams uh, coming up next week on Eye on the Enemy. But uh, folks, make sure you check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for the latest going on with the Eagles. And uh, tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Check out all of the great shows we've got lined up for you here this offseason as we get you ready for the 2021 season. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And hey, leave a a rating and a review on Eye on the Enemy. Uh, Let me know what you think of the show. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy.
0: B G N.